What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Joel Sked and I had the pleasure of sitting down with Josh Morris recently to talk about life as an agent. We explore how to get into the field of work, recruiting players, transfer windows and general misconceptions around agents. Josh, who is experienced playing in the SBFL and was last season playing in the East of Scotland League, is a part-time agent with Sports Entertainment Group or SEG. The talent management agency represent the likes of Pep Guardiola, Man United boss Eric Ten Hag, Dutch ace Cody Gakpo and Aberdeen's Vinny Biswayam. It should be noted that this was recorded in a South Queen's Ferry restaurant, hence some background noise. A pre-deduction coming my way, no doubt. I hope you find the discussion interesting and enjoy it. So Josh, thank you very much for coming on uh, the, uh, the Terrace podcast. Um, jumping straight into it, how, how do you get into becoming an agent? Um, so my way was probably a little bit differently to maybe how some get into it to be fair I think the, the traditional route I think is, is similar to the kind of coaching route is that you kind of become a player and you play at a decent level um, then you become a coach or whatever or you maybe become an agent if you've got that sort of knowledge and, um, and sort of acumen but um, I was at uh, uni doing a sports management degree and I went back in 2018 um, and I only had to do my two final years and I remember vividly sitting in a, a lecture in fourth year and I think it was like it was a it was international sports marketing or something and I remember just sitting thinking I wonder like, I'd always been interested in the agency world but I mean I, ever, I only ever played as high as League 2 in Scotland so it was never like I had a decent playing career behind me yeah. um, and I remember just sitting in this lecture very bored at one time thinking 
I'm just going to look into this on my laptop at the time. I should have been taking notes. Um, and I remember just, I found an article on um, the Forbes website. Oh, yeah. It was actually, it was like the top 10 sports agencies in the world. Um, and I thought, oh, that's quite interesting. I read through it and then I thought, well, here's, I'm just, and I, I just basically sort of um, remoulded my sort of CV um, in terms of being a bit more sort of like sport orientated and football orientated. I had a lot of coaching and playing experience at lower levels, mm. but I thought, with the likes of my contacts, my leadership skills, all that sort of stuff, I'm going to like, send a wee email. So I literally copy and pasted an email to um, the, ten, the ten in this list, um, and it was it was all your big hitters like Stellar. It was um, there was Kin Sports, there was the SEG that I went, and I, I sent ten emails out, um, and I got one reply from one. I can't remember who saying keep an eye on our vacancies online. Um, and SEG got back to me, and it was actually one of the directors that sort of contacted me personally and said, um, "Let's get a team." It was a Zoom chat at the time because mm. it was um, they're based in Holland, so he was like, "Let's have a, a chat on, on the phone and Zoom." I said, "Yeah, perfect." Um, and then it kind of just like led for there, and they, we had a few introductory meetings with a few of the guys high up in the company um, and then um, after that we, we kind of then moved into a sort of almost like an induction course essentially um, that they put, put you through um, about how the company works, how how their sort of um, structure works within the company um, and yeah it just kind of went from there. So. And it's how do you combine it with your part time work? Um, so kind of uh, initially, it was like a, it was very much a sort of, well, it's, a, it's all a balancing act, I suppose, at the end of the day. Yeah. I think um, a huge part of it is uh, naturally football, particularly in Scotland, the, in the, the academy games are all either late afternoons or evenings or yeah. weekends. Um, so I was fortunately, at the time, my, my work pretty much Monday to Friday, so it gave me the opportunity to, to sort of expand more into weekends and it became more that you're maybe working, so you're working six, seven days yeah. technically because you're, you're going to academy games on a Friday night you're, or 18s games on a, a Friday night, you're then maybe watching a team on a Saturday um, and up until last year I was actually still playing myself um, in the East of Scotland League so I was playing Saturdays but also trying to keep my eye in on who was doing well, keeping all that sort of stuff, scouting, um, then maybe a game on a Sunday, and yeah, it was a, it, it's, it's tricky, it mm. is tricky because it, it takes a lot of time and a, almost, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to not get very much back at some times, um, but that's the nature of it, that's just the nature of the way it works, but um, yeah, it is a, it's, it's a balancing act, really. And in terms of that, you, you talked about what, uh, watching 18s football, keeping, keeping an eye on you played at a decent level yourself. How, what is the process like of recruiting players, getting players on board? I think, um, as you can probably imagine, that's the trickiest bit because yeah. purely for the competition aspect, um, you've, you've got a lot of agencies, a lot of agents that are trying to do the same as you. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the day, it all comes down to relationships. Mm -hmm. I think it's um, if you've got a strong relationship, if you've got, if you can build a relationship and create or create relationships, then build relationships and, and nurture relationships. I think that was one of the reasons why I thought I could do quite well yeah. within the agency world um, was because I've kind of 
prided myself over the years in any job that I've done, whether it be even just playing part-time football, is relationships with teammates, coaches, yep. managers, uh, supporters, um, but also friends and family as well. That and, and it's something that I think is just the it's like the the sort of um, the base of everything you do as an agent is relationships. Yeah. Um, you then have to add in things like networking and, and the scouting side of things. So I suppose it's it's scouting, it's it's, it's scouting the right players, mm-hmm. it's sign, trying to sign the right players. Um, because as an agent, you're only as good as the players that you sign. Yeah. So as an agency, you've got to be very selective on it's it's not. Um, no disrespect that I, I put myself in that playing League Two football, maybe in Scotland at some point. I probably was never in the eye of uh, <laughs> an agent yeah. that was working for a set elite agency trying to get players moves because you're not going to get a player from League Two Scotland um, into into the Premier League in England or to the top five leagues. You know, it, it just doesn't happen. Um, so it is all about picking the right players, um, creating relationships, particularly the younger age group, um, those relationships that you're creating are with the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the huge one, is, is, is speaking to parents, is, is getting your ideas across, your agency's ideas across, who you are, what you're all about. Um, and it's built on trust, I yeah. think. And, and that's where I think it often gets a bad rep, this sort of agency world, because yeah. Um, don't get me wrong, that there are sides of it that rightly get a bad rep um, and I think some people maybe don't particularly help that at times. Um, I, I mean, I, not, not that there's any sort of personal experiences of that, I just mean in general, you read about it, yeah. you read about it online anywhere you go and there is that side of it but that's where you've got to try to, it's like any sort of business, you've got to have a USP, you've got to have a unique selling point that makes you different from the rest and that's kind of the key to the recruitment stage is being different but also just the relationship and having the right relationship with the right people. So do you focus on younger players or is it a case of just looking at kind of taking on any any, kind of any age profile or is it younger players? I think um, in a word you look at all, you look yep. at all, um, you'd be daft not to because um, I mean, again, look at the agency world. Like, what somebody that I've, I remember speaking to that didn't actually work with our agency. That it was when I was first getting into it, and I asked him to meet for a coffee because he, he'd been an agent for years. I thought a really older, experienced guy. And his words to me were, uh, "Young players don't make you money." Mm. And I thought, fair enough. And I, again, it goes back to that. Maybe like, why are you in the game? Are you doing it because you want to help people and, and guide their careers and, and, and focus on them and, and help them? Or are you doing it purely for the money? Um, so I think that's when it becomes when it, you look at all. Yes, you're looking all the time at players that are currently playing at a good level. That are they not happy with their agent? Are they looking for somebody else? Are they maybe never had an agent and they're now at a point where they think it's viable? Um, but if we look at it particularly in Scotland, I think you've got to look at the sort of younger players. Yeah. Um, and it, again being a Scottish fan, football fan, um, it's hard for me to say, but we're not quite the best <laughs> in terms of, um, we're, yes, we're getting there, we're slowly but surely getting there, um, however, you still feel like we're a little bit behind some of the others, more developed, of academy countries mm. and stuff, um, but we've got to then be quite selective on those youth players that you are looking at, um, and in terms of our agency, we, we primarily 
we're primarily looking at sort of international level players. Um, and what we mean by that is not playing first team Scotland at 16 year old, it's are they playing for Scotland at any age group? Yeah. Because at that point they must be the best at that age because they're in the Scottish national team. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it works in terms of a recruitment side of things. So suppose that kind of answers my next question in terms of the economics of it. Is, is it a case of being pretty selective uh, in terms of just having a, a core base of fewer clients rather than hoovering up and just having a, a massive stable. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think, um, again, that, that there's people that have different ideologies and different um, philosophies around it and ways of working. However, the way that we work um, collectively um, is, is purely sort of quality over quantity. Mm. Um, and I think it's like anything, if you, if you think of the visual sort of analogy of like sort of balancing balloons, if you've got two or three balloons that you can keep up and you're, you're keeping them all in the air at the same time, that's great because you're looking after all three of them at the same time. As soon as you start throwing four, five, six, seven balloons on one person at a time, that's when you're starting to drop them. And it's yeah. like that player that you're, that balloon that you're dropping is actually a player that he doesn't want to be your agent. You don't. He doesn't want you to be his agent anymore. Yeah. Because you've, you're not giving him the focus that you should. Um, so it's it's definitely a don't get me wrong like you, you have to it's a constant you're constantly recruiting because players get older and players retire and then you've your agency the players that you've got in your agency I think at the moment you're sitting with about we're sitting with about two hundred and seventy odd players within our sort of network. Um, but then next season that might go down to 260 because 10 of them might retire uh, you, you don't know um, so then it's like well we need to get it back to 270 and 280 and, 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 and you need to be constantly sort of looking at that so um, I, I think and that's where it becomes a, a real team game yep. uh, we, we again not speaking for other agencies because I've never had any experience with other agencies working with them but we are, we are, we're all focused on teamwork yep. uh, like teamwork is the base of everything that we do in terms of working together on targeting players, recruiting players, um, but also then the transfer side of things. Um, but for for our recruitment side, it's definitely quality over quantity um, because if you stockpile 10 players, you're then going to sort of take, you, you can quite easily take your eye off the ball. Yeah. It's the same in any walk of life. If you if your your caseload, whatever job you're doing, is too big. There's certain parts of that caseload that get forgotten about and missed, um, and that's not fair on that particular aspect. It just so happens to be that in this, in the sort of agency world, when you take your eye off the ball, that's taking your eye off a player that could go and sign for a competitor, and it might actually be one of your better players. And it, it's, so it becomes really difficult. Yeah. So it's definitely, definitely that side of things. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So with, with the work with, the, uh, with the ACG, is it a case of do you bring players into that agency rather than they give you players to look after? Um, kind of. I think we, um, we're also all individually, all the agents are individually responsible for recruitment and for signing your own players. However, the, the good thing about it being a team game with us and being collectively sort of on it is the 270 players that we've got are technically all of our players because we all work for them. We, everything that we do is around the client. Um, but there is, there are different sort of types of For example, if a, a player moves to Scotland um, at the moment, being the only Scottish agent within ACG, mm-hmm. um, if a player moved to Scotland on a transfer from England or even abroad, um, I would help that player settle in yeah. and, and, and almost service that player essentially um, in a way of making them sure that they're settled, that they've got apartments or houses and they've got a car and they've got a mobile phone and their internet set up yeah, and, yeah. and all the sort of smaller things that um, you kind of forget about. Now don't get me wrong, I think clubs are getting better at helping players with that. Um, most clubs have player liaison officers and I think some of the bigger clubs will have more of them. Um, but we do that from our point of view as well. Um, so there is that aspect of when players move within the network, you're then working with other players mm. that maybe aren't technically your own that you've signed sort of thing. Because yeah. I think oh, a lot of fans would just think of agents and just think of the work in the transfer window. What is, but obviously there's more, more to that, so what is, yeah. you kind of touched on making their sell, what is the, the relationship with, with players and what is the, what's the job when the transfer window shut? So now, like, I, I, like what, what's, what, what's a normal kind of like working week or day in yeah. September, October? I think it's, um, it's, it's purely, from my point of view, it's, it's a, the role of an agent, and, and particularly even in, even in the summer and winter transfer windows, mm. The player might not particularly be looking to move. The, the player might be happy. So, so players that yeah, although you within an agency, you're looking, you're helping other players maybe get to different clubs. But for your for your own player, it's it's a it's my, it's helping them sort of through life essentially and being that it's been that sort of um, professional contact that um, should they have any questions and queries you're, you're maybe not actually you're not with them every day mm-hmm. put it that way but you're at the end of the phone for them um, and it's should they have any questions they know where you are they can they can text they can phone um, and it's more of a it's, you're guiding them through their career um, yeah. and it's a career thing for us it's not you're not looking at alright it's the winter window coming up what, what you want in for the winter window it's actually right well what you're looking for in the next three, four, five, six windows mm-hmm. um, into your late twenties or whatever it may be, and then you can talk about it like that. Um, so I think it's more just in the, in that sort of like during the season side of thing. It's it's just making sure that they're they're happy that, that, that they've got what they need. Um, if if you're if they're in the same country as you, it's then it's maybe meeting them for a coffee every now and again. Um, it's maybe sort of it's probably watching them a good few times yeah, as well, yeah. but sort of having that presence at games so that 
when you're talking about maybe future transfers and stuff, you're talking from a point of, well, I've watched you, you've done really well, you're doing this well, you're doing that well. Um, but it's generally just been a, yeah, it's been that sort of professional contact that they can have if they need you. Um, but it all goes back to that kind of relationship side of things. Is if you've got a good relationship with them, it's, it becomes a bit of a kind of working friendship. Um, because you the nature of football sometimes you're moving places that you don't have people that you know so that's when our network of agents not just players our network of agents come in and, and then you then so if a player moves from Scotland to Holland or Scotland to Germany we already have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten agents all yeah. scattered around the country that go right you're 15 minutes for this guy here's his number go meet him for a coffee and he'll introduce you to the local area he'll show you about um, so it kind of goes, yeah, that's kind of what it's like in the off-season a little bit. Mm. And before we get on to talk about the, the, the transfer window, mm. talking about recruitment of uh, players, what you may mention is like if uh, they're young, they've maybe not got an agent or they're looking to uh, move uh, agency, you talked about uh, getting them with their like speaking of the conversations, relationship with their, their parents. What are, the, what are the kind of conversations you have with prospective clients? I think it's... Um, one of the one of the first things that we ask um, is what are their dreams? What what, what is the player's dream? Mm. Um, usually, with the younger players, parents are there involved. So so the parents sometimes have their own views on that, um, and that's when it can maybe that's when it can sometimes become a bit um, complex. Mm. Let's say um, because a player may have one vision um, at sixteen. But also, the parents might have this grand vision of them doing X, Y, and Z, and it's it's sometimes um, it's sometimes sort of raining in a little bit to say, well, what's actually realistic? What, what, what we'll try our best to, and I think that's again going back. The relationship is great, and, and you've got to work at that relationship. But there are actually some things where you can sit down with parents and with players, and you talk about what are your dreams, and that's one of the first questions. Yeah, and. It might be quite evident early on that there's um, you're kind of singing off different hymn sheets, yeah. And it might actually be a point where you've got to you might get to a point where you say, "Look, this it probably won't work um, because expectations might be different, or there might be there might be different. I mean, there, there's some things that you know, like some age, um, some parents and parents in certain some certain countries." Um, Demand, sort of. They want. They want a car. They want. A, they want a house. They want. Um, they want. A, they want a, an, an envelope of cash to sign with your agency and, and stuff like that. And that's that's no go. That's uh, as soon as we hear that. Red flag. Yeah, it's like exactly that. And again, it comes down to again another analogy. Like if, if you had a if you had a girlfriend or a wife that was you know just demanding the most expensive handbags all the time after a week of seeing them. A red flag. You're yep. probably going to avoid that <laughs> in the nicest way possible, um, and it's similar. It's similar because the relationship, the relationship's got to work both ways. Yep. So in that in that conversation of what are your dreams, great. That sounds like something we can get on board with because, and then it's a stage of right. What can we offer you? We can we we're here for your career. We want to have career, lifelong sort of. Um, relationship that is a working relationship but we are maximizing your career we're helping you every stage of the way um, but also it's also not sort of sugarcoating it and saying that should a bad injury happen 
we're still going to be there to help you, mm. whether it be rehab, whether it be recovery, whether it be treatment, whatever it, personal training, anything. That's where that little bit of added sort of USB, like we were saying. Um, so that's when that all kind of kind of comes into it a little bit. Um, it's based on the expectations, um, but everything that we do is client centric. So. The clients at the heart of everything that, as an agency, that we do in cover, um, and I think that's quite important. That it is like that. And so, I suppose that filtering process of making sure they are the right, uh, the kind of the right character, um, like that uh, relationship with parents, they're not uh, overly demanding, and guessing will help retention that you're not going to be having to move on from a player because of a difference of opinion. Well, yeah, I think in it, it sets out. Um, it sets, it sets out clear boundaries um, quite early on. I think boundaries are key, and again, in most workplaces, but in particular within this, it, it, it becomes even it becomes super important that there's boundaries there from the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those boundaries can be expectation based. They can be look, this is what we say we're going to do, and we will do that. However, if you start coming at us three years later saying that you want. X, Y, and Z, it, it's not going to happen, yeah. sort of thing. Um, I mean, there's just hypothetical sort of stories, but um, yeah, I think it is definitely um, that it, we are trying to be there for the career. I mean, an example of that is um, one of our, like, uh, one of the best players to play in the Premier League, arguably Robin Van Persie, was with our agency from young age, went through his whole career, Arsenal, Man United, all till he retired. Um, we're actually still his registered, we're his agency, yeah. um, even after his football career. So we, got his commercial deals and, and his advertising and all that, and everything he now wants to do after football, we are heavily involved in yeah. because we've got that strong relationship that's been there from, from day one. Um, so that's the kind of, and it's good having sort of success stories like that. It's not like we, it's not like we say it and we don't fall through with it. Yeah. It's like that, the evidence is there with clients like that um, and that's a kind of crucial one and I think that's when it comes to a point where we also I mean some of it like we, 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 we at the moment we're very fortunate that we've got both Manchester managers under our sort of roster of um, coaches that we have as agents so we've got Pep Guardiola and we've got Eric Ten Hag um, and, and, and even that in itself sort of builds the sort of reputation of when you are chatting to parents and you are chatting for that longevity of like, oh, we, we've got coaches at that level, um, but also we've got players to back it up, we've got the stories to back it up, and the proofs in the pudding, and, and that's that's the way we work. So, with uh, in terms of uh, players kind of uh, leaving or not having uh, an agent, an agent is what are they? Kind of popular reasons for for that is it just kind of retirement, uh, or do, do do you find that many players get to an age and they just like I don't need an agent I can take care of stuff myself. Sometimes I think there is um, it can all depend because of the sort of nature of transfers and, and football. It's actually a very 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 difficult industry in terms of take the agents out of it, even just sort of making deals and it's we know ourselves as, as football fans that um, it's a game of opinions mm. um, and even in transfers it's a game of opinions mm. because you're relying on other clubs having a good opinion of your client and, and taking your client and buying your client or signing your client um, so it, there are times where maybe later in careers or at different stages of careers players might think that um, 
they're maybe not doing the job that you want them to do. Mm. Um, however, we've made it very clear from maybe at the start that that's not how we work and how we work is this, this and this. Um, and it sometimes can just be, again, like anything, any relationships, sometimes relationships just, you just, you're, you just become apart from each other. You just run their, naturally yeah, run their, they, run their course. they naturally run their course. And I think that is quite often what happens in, in certain uh, cases that... Um, you get to a point where you, it's maybe just not working, mm. or it's maybe just uh, you maybe feel, as you said, it maybe gets to a point where you feel I could, I don't really need an agent. Um, so uh, that's that. So yeah, that's the most sort of that. That's the most um, sort of not used excuse, but that's the, sort of the, 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 the most the, common, the most common reason for yeah. that sort of maybe split. Um, um, and it's never. I think. It's, I think sometimes it, it comes across as it's, it's, it's like a fallout and stuff, but it's very, very rarely fallout. It's actually more just a working agreement. It's like any sort of contract that, in any walk of life, that it maybe just runs its course and that's that. We part our ways and go elsewhere, sort of thing. So, do you, do you feel your experience in professional football is kind of key, um, or is? Do you feel like it's 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 not a necessity to have it as, as as an agent? I don't I don't think it is a necessity, and I say I mean I say that from a point of view like I, I wouldn't even class myself as having experience in professional football because I think as I said the highest goal was League Two, and it's like. Um, Going to Central Park for a game at Cowmeath doesn't give you quite the experience to deal with like the highest level. But I think, I, I think, and then an, an enjoyment, but also a, a deep knowledge of football. Yeah, I would, I would say, is crucial because yep. I think, um, particularly as if you look at it from a fan's point of view. There's millions of people love football in this country alone. Um, not all of them actually maybe have played football or have coached football and they maybe don't understand the, necessarily the, the background of a football club or, or, or a changing room yeah. or it, X, Y and Z. You know? um, and I think, so that's when I think a sort of deep knowledge of football is handy. I don't necessarily believe a, a playing experience is, is necessary because I, I think that, I think um, that can sometimes um, although that's sometimes looked upon as like oh he's played at this level so he'll be great at this um, we see it in coaching and management all yeah. the time that great careers go to management and not good enough um, and that's where I go back to the, the whole sort of like relationships and networks and people skills um, I mean Matt Going back to sort of USP on a personal level, um, one of the things for me was I know about football, check. Um, I've played a little bit of football, check. I've coached at a kind of lower level, check. Um, but also I've got good contacts, check. But actually, my job is in youth work, mm. like my, my other job. Yeah. So I look after people, yeah. I, I help people, I support people, I put things in place for people, uh, I'm working with people every day. So I've been able to transfer that into the football world and say, okay, well, I can look after you and I can look after your career and I'll help you and I'll guide you. And it's not coming from a place of, well, how much money can I get from you? It's actually, no, you're an actual incredible talent here. We want to try and maximise that for you and do this, that, and next thing and hopefully see you like, have a great career. Yeah. Um, so I think that's when it comes down to is, 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 is the playing career. Maybe it helps in certain circumstances, 
maybe more for the contract side of things and yep. the reputation side of things um, because I think particularly in Scottish football it's a small world um, yep. and you see that at times in particular with, uh, with with managers that come and go it's often the same names it's like a merry-go-round of yep. like somebody comes off and oh, he'll come in and blah 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 um, and it can be a bit like that so it's almost trying to break the mould a little bit with that um, to say oh, hold on a minute and I think one player that, that, or one guy that did that very well was Tam Courts, mm-hmm. in, in a sense, in the fact that came from this sort of, he's only ever managed at Kelty in yeah. East of Scotland and Lowland, fair enough, but actually, as a person, do you know him? He's, you know, his people skills, do you know about that? Do you know about his leadership? And actually, he's then went and proved that he's actually very good. Yeah. And, it, and I think that's it's trying to break that mould in the agency game as well to say, although I might not have had a career, but I've got a few contacts, but also I'm not I'm not shy to go up to somebody to introduce myself and prove that, do you know what, I'm actually, I'm actually quite a nice guy. Mm. You can have a chat with me. I'm not arrogant. I'm not, because I think, again, going back to that sort of bad rep, sometimes agents get is, Oh, look at him like he's cocksure and he's like he's got the swagger and he's got all the designer gear and all this sort of stuff and it's like no I'm away to watch a game with a jacket from Asda do you know what I mean like that, that sort of yeah. minute and it's trying to break that mould a little bit in terms of like no I'm just a normal person that likes football been lucky enough to work in football now and I just want to help other people in football yeah. Um, so yeah I think that's what it comes down to right so moving on to the transfer with how uh, <laughs> I'm going to hang how how do you approach a transfer window? And is it different summer to January? Um, <clears throat> yes, different from summer to January. One in the sense, naturally and obviously, for the length of the window. Yeah. It is a shorter window. But you hear managers and people talking all the time, January is notoriously a difficult window mm. to, to work in because of um, teams' budgets, um, because of contracts that very rarely is there players that are free in January because contracts usually run summer to summer yep. um, or June, June, whatever June, May, June, July time um, so there's most most of the time there's transfer fees involved but it's then getting out of contracts if they're not uh, all this sort of stuff um, in terms of I think it from a personal point of view in terms of how we work as well there's a lot of preparation that goes into these kind of windows mm-hmm. um, and what I mean by that is um, collectively we have sort of regular meetings and keeping in touch with other agents within our network to say right okay we've got the summer window coming up what what are your club's requirements what, what, what are what are you going to need um, and say to clubs look the window's coming up what's your what's your target what you what kind of player are you looking for what what rough salary have you got what rough budget have you got all the x y and z um, and at that point it's then going away and then on the other side of it is, is preparing well, who's act- in our player network who's actually available um, so who's looking to move who's available to move what are the terms what are the what are the transfers that's going to be involved what's the club looking for all this sort of stuff um, and that maybe happens sort of you're maybe talking sort of one, two, three months before mm. these windows. So that's going back to one of your last questions about so what you're doing out the trans window. Yeah. Actually, it, it kind of then becomes a bit of a rolling cycle of you're just prepping for the next window yeah. in a way because you're then looking at, I mean, we have brilliant guys at, um, at HQ in Amsterdam in our main office that sit and create spreadsheets of 
where are the most popular transfers from each country. So we get sent and say the top transfers from the UK go to Spain, Germany, France. Yeah. And we can go, okay, so if we've got players in the UK, we know that by by statistics, they're most likely to go to here, there and there. Mm. So you can then work on that. Um, and I think the key thing, particularly, I think it's more agent-wide, but particularly in our agency, is knowledge is key. Um, so network knowledge, um, knowing about your clubs, knowing about your players, um, and that's when it just becomes a preparation game for these windows um, in terms of, so when the window does open, um, you've maybe already had conversations before, but obviously as soon as the window opens, that's when things can actually happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a kind of preparation game and it just is a cycle, really. So say uh, one of your clients is wanting to buy a club and then is, is, is signed uh, by a club. Um, are you able to walk us through exactly kind of the steps of how, how, how it works, how a transfer works? I think it's, um, I mean, everywhere, everywhere is different. Every yep. club is different. I think every transfer can be different as well. Um, I think it's in, one thing to say, I think it's, in, it's incredibly hard to get a transfer through. Okay. Um, and what I mean by that is, from all angles, you've got so many people involved, there's so many, um, there's maybe so many hurdles involved to get over. There's contracts and there's sometimes disputes and there's right they've got this in place but we need to get that and it, it can be a, a minefield of um, of sort of hurdles to get over before actually signing on the dotted line. Yeah. Um, and I think again coming from I, I'm fairly new into this game. I, I'm only two years into it, um, but even already coming from two years ago when I was a supporter and a supporter alone to now being sort of another side of things is when it when you, you, you read rumours and you read about you hear fans saying how are we not just signing him and how are we not just signing that player and he, he was brilliant there but it would be brilliant if it was that easy um, but it can kind of as I say that can some things come from from a club's point of view as well I think clubs are now becoming um very, very data-driven, so everything that clubs do nowadays is most of the time built on data, and it's mm. statistics of that player that they're trying to sign. Um, so often it's very rare that a transfer happens within a few days. It, it's, it's often something that's been going on for months in the background. Um, I mean, the club side of recruitment, that's a constant thing that they're constantly looking yeah. at, well, who fits our system, who's who's doing this, we want a player to do that, so let's find a player. So they're constantly doing that, as well as, from our point of view, we've got to try and sort of read what they're thinking and saying, well, we've actually got so-and-so that might do this, this and this for you. So it can be a bit of like, there can be months, and this goes on for months, and it's, in some cases it can be, we can't do it this summer, but let's look at next summer. Mm-hmm. Um, or we can't do it in January, let's do it in the summer, or let's see how they get on. And uh, So it, it can be quite a, a sort of long, drawn-out process of like scouting, recruitment, the statistics, does he fit our team? Not to mention, nowadays you've now got sporting directors and directors of football and technical directors and all these sort of stuff. These guys are usually the ones that are doing the initial stages. Mm-hmm. It then goes to the manager, and managers go, "Yeah, I like him. Yeah, let's have a look at him. Let's see what we can do." But at the same time, it then might go to the manager, and like we said earlier about opinions, the manager might turn around and go, 
I don't like him. Uh, all the data says that he's good, but I, yeah. he's not for me. And that's when it becomes really, really tricky because it, it, you're, when we say you need opinions, you're then needing, you're like, <coughs> instead of just one opinion, you need two, three, four opinions to all go the same way to make a deal happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, although it seems maybe on the outside like, who are just signing him? It's actually because the club are still doing their work on him and, and, and it's it's a, just a long, drawn-out process. Yeah. Is that why the transfers, so many transfers are left until the last few days of the window? Well, yeah, I think, don't get me wrong, I think from a... I think there's definitely a sort of commercial side of the whole deadline day thing. Yep. Um, from from some outlets in terms of media-wise, um, and, and fans love it, don't they? Well, who's gonna, who are we going to sign on the last day? Um, and I think in particular, you often you'll get clubs that might be forced into making rash choices mm. because injuries, suspensions, uh, out of form, transfers out. You know, they might actually think going into the last week of a window, ah, you're fine, your squad's full. Come the end of the week, they've got a day left, and they've actually got two serious long-term injuries, uh, two suspensions, and actually your best player's just been sold. So. All of a sudden, a club's then going, Oh, right, okay, last day, let's go. The other side of it is the reason why it maybe gets the deadly day is because clubs have probably been um, managing their budget. What have they got left? Um, right, we want this is our very often clubs have priorities. It's not like they just have, Oh, he's our target, we'll try and find him. Right, we can't get him, who, who are we going for next? They've already got that worked out. Yeah. And actually, the clubs are probably talking to agents, clubs of maybe three or four players at the same time, all sort of figuring out the way what what how's the land laying sort of yeah. thing at that point um, before actually going right. We actually only want him, and um, that that money is more justified because this, that, and the next thing. And it, so it can become quite a. That's when it becomes really difficult because you think you've got your number one priority and they, it might be your client for example however they they might think that the money that they're spending they're better spending on their number three priority and it so yeah it can become a, a sort of a priority game as well come the deadline day of who do we actually need here um, right we can't get him can't get him can't get him right we need to get him and it, it does maybe become a bit frantic but often it goes to maybe the last couple of days or deadline day purely down to the fact that clubs are just doing their homework yeah. and and it's sometimes whether if it's not homework it is that sort of um, minefield of, 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 of obstacles that clubs, agents, other clubs are getting over um, to get a deal through. I suppose there'll be, you said, numerous challenges, there's a lot of hurdles to go through, but in kind of a couple of situations where uh, what happens if a player that's in your, uh, one of your clients is out of favour, what is what is your role there? And also, what happens if you've got a client who the club want to move on, but he's very much happy to stay put? I think um, they're all difficult because at the end of the year, um, you're dealing with people yeah. at the end of the day so it's all very well like, you, you, sometimes I think sometimes people forget that when you're talking about players and clients they are actually people they're not sort of just uh, inanimate objects that you can just sell on and that's it um, although that kind of in a, a roundabout way I suppose you are kind of trying to do that sometimes in transfer windows um, if a player was out of favour for example it's um, 
nowadays most players have got the confidence to go and speak themselves. What do I need to do to get in the team? Speak to the manager, the manager tells them you need to do this, this and this or whatever. Um, it's then at a stage where if, if they're really not in, in favour for weeks, months and end, it's then as our job to maybe approach the club to say, look, this isn't working, what's it going to take um, to, to, get a, to get this player out? Or, and that's when it becomes difficult because then clubs then will try and maximise their own side in terms of, right, well, we want this much. Mm. Um, and that's when it become again back to sort of some of these barriers. That's when it becomes really difficult because. So in that in that situation, do you have to go to is it on kind of your responsibility to go to other clubs to try and sell them, or is it the club themselves who essentially um, have that responsibility think, to try and sell them? I think, them? particularly in, in this day, I think it's always been a case, but clubs have contacts at other clubs, mm. so you'll get managers that will speak to the manager say. Your boy, your boy that's out of favour. Would you think, blah blah blah? But also, it is our responsibility to also say, well, look, let's go and actually, let's go and see the market. Let's go. What is the market saying? Um, let's go and just tout your name and see what bites. Like it's a bit of game of fishing, essentially. Mm. It's it's dangling that sort of like fishing rod out there into the big world of football clubs to say, this guy's available potentially for this much, this salary, um, blah blah blah. It's then just it's a sort of a bit of a waiting game to see well who's who's going to bite first essentially. Um, so there is a bit of that in terms of when it comes out of favour and fingering. That's why it's really important again back to relationships. You've not just got the relationship with the player, you've got the relationship with the club that you can approach the club in an open manner to mm. say, right, look, let's be serious. This isn't working. Yeah. Um, he maybe wants to move. What, what are you thinking? Um, and it becomes a, a bit of a we can then go to our other agents in other countries that have also got good relationships with their clubs and say over a coffee by the way so and so so and so is actually available what do you think oh that's actually interesting we need a whatever yeah. and then it, that's where it can kind of build from there so there's certain that is but again that, that's just a couple of examples yeah. it, 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 there's so many, there's so many things that could happen in that sense, and that's again back to why it can be so difficult. Yes. Yeah. What about uh, so that I suppose this covers um, this covers uh, players moving, but also players who are maybe looking for a new deal. Are you in terms of contract talks? Um, I think there's. there's Fans are picturing it just sat around a conference table, and uh, how how does that work? How does that work? It's um, again. So, quite often is a, a drawn out process, long drawn out process. It's um, it's usually sometimes initiated by clubs. If the club really value a player, it's like right, we want to tie this player down. What, what can we? What are we going to do to yeah. to get it sorted? Um, there's the other side of it where it's maybe the player or the agent going and saying, like, two years left, but he's doing really well just now. What do you think? Um, but it's it's not quite as simple as a sort of right. Let's all get around a table. The, 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 the table and, and thrash this out as yeah, it's yeah. known um, it's like right well what's he looking for what are you and again it goes back to like the, the knowledge is key the, the relationships are key because if you've got the knowledge of what your player's worth and you've got knowledge of not necessarily what other players are getting paid because that's sometimes irrelevant mm-hmm. um, and you, you don't really need to know that but it's good to know roughly what's going on What if you've got a player and you've got another player that's similar and you maybe know a rough idea of what their contract is you can then use that to say look we know that Sonso's doing really well just now 
like try and sort of reward it. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit of a kind of yeah, knowledge is key, but also it's down to that um, that kind of back and forth and the the art of negotiation certainly comes into it at that point because any nature of business you're always going to get people that will try and uh, like the clubs want to look after their own interests and the player wants to look after theirs and so you're constantly back and forth and it's just trying to get to that like generally getting to that middle ground where everybody's happy and it's actually like oh yeah like let's go for this yep. um, but it is a lot of to and fro and um, and again different some clubs are different in terms of how they work in terms of what they offer um, like bonus structures and wages and salary, all this sort of stuff that can be really sort of like drawn out but it's uh, very, again very rarely is it done in a, in a couple of hours sitting around the board yeah. room um, it's often weeks maybe months at a time saying okay let's see what's out there and let, let's have a chat like we, we like this but we actually want this added and then it becomes very legal as well you've yeah. then got you've then got sort of like um club lawyers involved not in a negative way but going through that fine tooth comb of okay that's fine what happens if this happens right okay and that's when it becomes really sort of like difficult mm. um, in terms of getting it sorted because you're then you've then got legal departments from agency side club side um, all sort of going over these like contracts hundreds of pages at times um, so yeah it, it can become it's a, again quite a drawn out process at times it's not quite as easy as saying he's our best player give him a four year deal if only it was that easy yeah what, uh, what agents uh, will be wanting is more Peter Risdales and often Seth Johnson <laughs> uh, far too much money <laughs> what about in terms of out of you had much experience in terms of out of contract players you're looking at um, um, what is what is your role there outside the window I'm kind of looking outside the window what's your role there is it organising kind of like trials or just putting their name about what's it can be a little bit but I think um, the old school way of generally picking up your phone and phone and contacts I've got this player can you come for a trial like, yep. available for this blah 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 um, but there's also I mean now in the, in the world of technology there's a few sort of like really really sort of handy um, sort of like sites that you can use we use um, a, a site um, to, to basically pitch players to clubs okay. um, so not just three agents but all, all players are different for transfer fees and for all and we can put them up so that's kind of a, a good place for free agents to be seen um, throughout the season the clubs can constantly track at times um, but again back to it comes down to solely about your relationships and your knowledge if you have a free agent that um, within your agency network that's available for example you have a striker that's six foot five target man blah 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 um, next minute because of your knowledge of your teams and your area and your clubs and your market you can say you get a phone call one day to say Josh have you got a, have you got a target man striker ours has just done his cruciate and he's out for nine months funnily enough yes I've got and it, it, so it can be a bit and it, it's just about um, it's also from a club's point of view from them for their knowledge to know that you probably have an option somewhere um, so that if something like that was to happen the clubs can equally get in touch with you to say like, we're struggling just now have you got a winger have you got this have you got that um, and then it's it's down to you to go and have a look at the market to say yeah we've got we've got this we've got that 
can come on trial, whatever it may be. Um, but there is that aspect of the sort of old school picking up the phone and saying, look, we've got this player, he's just finished his contract at so-and-so, looking for a club, um, he's fit, able to trial, what's your thoughts? And it's just, yeah, taking it from there and, and seeing how that goes. And I suppose that's the key part of that with the, the player himself, is the relationship, because I'm guessing it's a very hard time for the player when they are out, out of contract, and especially when the season's going. For example, a, a, uh, one player I can think of is uh, Dylan McGill, because I, I spoke to him during the summer, mm-hmm. and um, he was looking to get back in, but I don't think he's got a club, and yeah. it's just a very difficult period. Yeah, I think it is. I think that not just even that period, I think uh, as a... As a football game, from speaking from experience from kind of lower leagues, like the, the mental health and mental um, sort of fatigue that can sometimes come through football mm. is, is really tricky and sometimes goes amiss and, and people forget about it at times. Um, and in particular, talk about injuries and uh, end the contracts and stuff, that can be like a really, really difficult thing to deal with. So there is that side where that relationship's key because if, I, if you've got a good relationship, you can provide support, you can be that person at the end of the phone or, or in person, you can talk them through things and you can keep them aware of what's happening um, and it is just kind of trying to remind them that like that if things will be alright we'll, we'll get there sort of thing um, and you then become you're then more of that friend at times yeah. when it is that that mental health side of things is kicking in because look, I think it's it's, um, it's not just again we're not talking about inanimate objects there are people at the end of the day these players so when they're out of contract the stress of a trial, you know, like the stress of a trial sometimes if they're not maybe at the top level and they're having to go on trial, a trial can be quite a daunting thing, yeah. you know what I mean? It, it can be, and it's like if you don't do well, you know, that's it. Um, so yeah, it, there's lots of different things that go on with that um, that side of things and it is just, again, the relationship key to that. But if you've got a strong relationship and they know where you're coming from, and also you can prove that you're you're working on them and you're like, we've, we've spoken to so-and-so here's some actual written feedback from the club um, to say that they're thinking about it but you know like at the moment maybe not for them or, or whatever it may be you're proving that you're doing your job yeah. um, and it's just again you're, you're hoping and sometimes you need a bit of luck that, that an opinion goes for you and yeah. somebody wants you and you, you, you touched on the uh, kind of technology side and mm-hmm. you touched on stats and your conference so you've been in the agency for two years conversations with um, other agents uh, more experienced ones in SEG how important is technology and uh, statistics come in for an, an agent to be able to keep track of that kind of stuff I think it's massive we um, we have access to um, a website called SciSports um, similar sort of ground to your likes of your Scout and things like that yeah. um, but essentially it's a data driven website that you can go we can go on log in and we can see any player in the world essentially and um, they work in their own sort of like ratings of the players and mm. they have a sort of current rating and a potential rating um, but it's all based on their stats um, yeah. and it tells you what type of player if they're a centre midfielder or they're a box to box midfielder or they're a defensive midfielder or they're attacking midfielder playmaker all that sort of stuff um, and it it almost it almost breaks it down into like a sort of football manager format where yeah. you're looking at their scores and right but not just from that, we actually can use that and we can file reports based on, because this, this site um, analyses teams and clubs worldwide, the, this site knows how teams play. Yeah. So we can actually use that to our benefit to say, okay, we've got a player in our network that's looking to move. 
his style, where does he fit? Mm-hmm. And this site actually can produce a report to say, well, do you know what? His top five options at the moment are probably one, two, three, four, five. Yep. Because they play this way, he suits that, they play that, blah, blah, blah. And it, it becomes really intricate, mm-hmm. um, but also it helps us because we can then take that report and yep. go to the club and say, look, you might not be looking at the moment for this kind of player, but we've got evidence to show that he actually would be a great fit for your team mm-hmm. because he does X, Y and Z, his stats are saying this, all the rest of it. Um, Again, at that point, you're helping them, but you're also saying to them, well, you go and do your own work and come back to us. Um, and that's how it, some some deals come out of out of the blue because it's maybe just been pitched right and you've actually proved that they do need that. Yeah. Um, yes, you need yes, you need to go off, like, what do clubs need? Um, and they're saying that they need a, a certain position or a certain type of player. But if you can actually do a bit of legwork before it to say, well, we've done a wee bit of work as well, this guy's perfect for your team. Mm-hmm. And you look a wee bit short at the moment there, what do you think? Um, and that's where data can be massive. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's been crucial for us because if we went in without the data or without the stats, we're then behind. Yeah. Because as you, clubs nowadays are stats mad you know like every player was a GPS you know they've all got their data for running stats and their distances and speeds and everything like that but also they're actually well how many forward passes has your centre midfielder made and oh it, it, it then comes down to a really and, and clubs go through it with a fine tooth goal yeah, yeah. where it's like nah he's not quite what we're looking for based on stats yeah, yeah. Um, so now that we can use that for our benefit now as well um, really really helps so it's massive it's massive how often are you in contact with clubs? Um, I think it, it depends because again, like like relationships and like people people like different ways of communication or different um, not modes of communication but maybe sort of at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some clubs that you're maybe in contact with weekly. Um, there's maybe contact contact that happens maybe it's maybe random phone calls. I, I make a point of maybe just checking in. Um, if I don't hear from from contacts within maybe two, three, four weeks, I maybe just drop a message. How things are right? I saw your results recently, doing okay. But anything, are you, are you doing anything at the moment, transfer wise? Are you looking? Because that's the thing. There is still that sort of market for for free agents. Yeah. Um, we're quite fortunate. We don't have too many at the moment, but there are still. If they're looking, you can then start planning for your January's. And I think keeping that constant um, communication just. The relationship improves, but also you are just kind of constantly keeping up to date with the market and the knowledge and stuff. And yeah, knowledge. and that that uh, relationship conversation is it prim- primarily with managers or sport directors or? Um, it differs. It differs. I think um, we, we try. Um, I think as a sort of point, a, a point of rule, um, I think it's crucial is that you're trying to speak to the decision makers. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you could. You can you can sell a player to the goalkeeping coach and tell him that he'll be brilliant for the team. Is the goalkeeping coach going to be actually having a say in that transfer? Probably not. Mm. Um, so it is at a point where um, and it's known the structure of clubs. clubs yeah. It's known. It's known. Okay, decision makers. You might not be in direct contact with decision makers directly, um, but because of the structure that a club has in place in terms of when they get suggestions of players or, or reports or players put into them, it all goes into a central pot where everybody looks at it and it's that. So if you know that, then 
yeah. that's great. But it's just, um, and again, going back to the, with the way that football is, with the revolving doors, not just of managers, but sometimes it can be directors of footballs and the sporting directors, they come and go and coaches change and managers change. It, it's, it's, that's where your network comes in because you may have a great relationship with a club and with a manager, next minute he's out of a job, the next manager comes in, never never had any contact with, yeah. so then you're relying on your network to say, you got a, a job of contact for so-and-so, mm. um, and then that's just, you have to then, it's that starting from scratch yeah. relationship, so. And what, what do you make of, what do you make of teams who are very closely aligned with agents? So you're looking at George Mendes as the, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Is, is the biggest one, what's, what's your view on, on, on that? Um, I think, uh, to be honest with you, I wouldn't because I'm fairly new to mm-hmm. the game. Um, I don't have a kind of strong opinion on that in terms of personally. Mm-hmm. Um, all I can really speak from as a collective, from SEG's point of view, is that, that we we work on a, a basis of transparency and honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what we are very transparent and honest about is the fact that we work for all clubs. Yeah. Uh, we're we're not in the game to to say we only work with this club and this club. Yeah. Um, personally and as a, a collective agency, I think it's really important that way because for your clients, you're then saying to them you're not pigeonholing them to be well. Actually, we only really work with so and so and so and so, so we can maybe only try and get you there. Um, it then becomes that that then becomes more difficult. Yeah. Um, whereas we are, as I said, we are very transparent and honest right from the get go. As we work with all the top clubs, but we actually work worldwide. Yeah. And we're, we're open to uh, we speak to we try and have contacts at every club, and again, not just well, we'd love to have contacts everywhere in the world. Um, we we like to think with good contacts and top, like pretty much everywhere you need um, top five leagues, the leagues below that, the development leagues, the money leagues, all this sort of stuff because that's what you you need to do. So we we try very hard to to make that very clear that look. We are not going to work with just certain clubs. We work with everyone and for everyone. Yeah, and with with that, you talked about being a worldwide agency. Yeah. What, uh, from your experience, what have been what kind of the, the, the cultural differences in terms of agency work in UK as opposed to abroad? And is there any markets which are more complex than others? I'm thinking MLS because the way the structure of MLS. Yeah, is I bit. think uh, primarily on that. I think, and I, I, I alluded to it there with a comment about kind of money leaks. Yeah. I think you've got like. Um, I think at this stage you have got the MLS can be classed as a bit of a money league mm. at times, but although they have caps in place and they have sort of marquee signings as such as they, um, as they go, um, they've also you've got the likes of China and you've got the likes of all these uh, kind of um, top leagues that have like kind of rich owners and they, they're throwing money about and that they can be complex in a way as well. Yeah. Um, you do have um, other countries that just work differently. Um, mm-hmm. You've got um, you've got clubs that that work with. Um, we talked about decision makers. Some managers in some country, I mean, some managers all over the world, there's some managers that don't get a say in transfers. Yeah. Um, and that's when it becomes difficult because you're then pitching. You can be pitching to the wrong person. Um, it might be presidents and it might be chief execs and it might be they actually make decisions in some countries. So it can be quite a complex thing. But again going back to knowledge is key it then comes down to the knowledge that we have got agents in these countries that they know how it works so I would never go and personally try and do that on my own I would phone my colleague in this country and say blah 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 how does this work and then he can give me the lowdown vice versa it works the other way they, they quite often would message me and say 
Scotland, UK, or more Scotland, how does that work? Um, and it, so that it, it just becomes again that's where teamwork's key for us in terms of market knowledge, um, industry knowledge, but also just actually cultural knowledge yeah, as yeah. well to say how's this going to work. And just I guess that kind of the cultural knowledge is uh, just before we finish up looking mm -hmm. at some of um, some like the moves that you just like never seen that coming like Stuart Duff like, going out to Kazakhstan and Andy Halliday to go to I think it was Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan. like how. How, how do how do those come about? How do they uh, those weird kind of connections? I think it's um, it's basically the last word used. There's connections. I think mm. sometimes it can be that um, an agent or a coach has, has worked or seen somebody and and it, they've put two and two together and they've matched the dots up and said, oh, wonder if he fancies it. Um, so there's various sort of ways that those kind of deals can come about. Um, but. Again, it's going back to like I mentioned earlier on about finding out well, right, what are the most popular transfers from said country, right? From the UK, they go from here. Their top three leagues are here, here, and here. Yeah. Um, but opposite way, they might say, well, but actually, at the other side of that, if if you've got a, a network of agents and players, and a player is available, and they're getting pitched to teams all over the world. All it takes, back to opinions, all it takes is a player to go, that's an interesting one, never thought about that, let's have a, let's, let's look at it more. And then all of a sudden, you've then got a player from Scotland going to Azerbaijan, yeah. or you've then got a player from wherever's going there. Um, and that's, I think we've seen it recently in terms of, um, particularly from, from Celtic's point of view, looking at the, the Jap Japanese, Japanese market. market. Um, that came from the fact that Ange Postcoglu has got strong relationships and strong networks and knowledge of that market. Um, so, what looks from the outside of like, oh, that's a bold move getting a couple of guys for Japan, actually, they're brilliant players, he knows the way they play, he knows the set, all that sort of stuff comes into it. Um, do, you, so on, do, you, do you think there's, um, in terms of uh, Scottish clubs, do you think there's markets out there that, have, uh, that are underexplored? I think so, I think definitely, I think when you look at the likes of, um, in particular, again, um, from Hart's point of view, they've quite, they've explored the Australian market. Yeah. Um, you, you can even go, go back as far as like Ryan McGowan and Dylan yeah. McGowan coming in years ago. Um, but more recently, three players have came from the Australian leagues um, in Hearts, and all of a sudden they're now in national teams. And so there are, but I, I think there's certainly leagues out there that are just, and it is just, I, I suppose it's back to the whole sort of um, small world of yeah. well, what do we know? Well, we know that they were. They know that they are type of players that fit the Scottish game. Um, but these, it, it's then, like we say, I talked earlier about a bit about breaking the mould a little bit. It's trying to say, well, let's actually open the horizons a little bit and say, well, are there players in other leagues that might actually still suit the Scottish game, but haven't really been explored yet? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of it's an interesting one that I think it just comes back again down to knowledge, connections, relationships, who's been where, and and who fits systems and types of players and stuff like that. So kind of to, to finish up, my, my pal said I was going to uh, speaking to my pal jokingly uh, said to ask you uh, as an agent how you sleep at night. But uh, that so <laughs> with that with that is what are the what are the common misconceptions you feel uh, for agents? Yeah, uh, I think the, well, I said earlier about what a comment that I was passed on. Um, when I was first kind of getting into it, was it was all it was all about the money, yeah. Uh, and that's that in a, in a nutshell is is what the mis one of the prime misconceptions is that um, 
it's the financial side of things. Yes. It's, it's how much money can you make out of this player. They don't give a rat's ass about this player's. Um, they just want to line their pockets and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, and as I said, from a personal point of view, I couldn't be any further from the truth because I've actually got another job that um, pays my bills and yeah. stuff. Um, you know, I'm very content in life, got a wife, like nice family, all that sort of stuff. What I want to do is I want to help people. Mm-hmm. And my personal experience was, from a playing point of view, although not at a high level, if I had had someone, not necessarily trying to tout me to the top teams, but looking after me and actually supporting me, and at the end of a phone call to say, I'm struggling a little bit, or mm-hmm. what, what do you think, blah, blah, blah. I think that would have helped me massively. Mm-hmm. I want to then do that for others yeah. and, if anything, help them maximise their career and, and sort of reach the heights that they, they, they should and could, um, given a bit of luck and given the right move, all that sort of stuff and right advice. Um, but I think, yeah, purely, I think it, it all comes down to the financial side is that sort of misconception of that they don't care about the player. It's mm-hmm. only about themselves and only about to try and pay like to line their pockets um, whereas the majority um, actually from my point of view again is, is going to be further from the truth yeah. that like any job it does yeah and especially in the football industry sometimes it can pay well but at the end of the day you're there to try and service your client and help your client and if your client's good enough yes there is financial reward to that like any job yeah but it's um that's not why you get into it um, and that's not why i got into it it was from a purely from a i want to help people a transferable skill from loads of other things that i've done in, in life let's try and help some footballers kind of maximize their career and and realize their potential at the end of the day and when you when you tell people that you're uh, that you do do agency work is there always a bit of like uh Assumption that that's the there is there is and it's uh, I think it's uh it's the whole when you first tell people particularly maybe have a, a little bit of an idea about football and you say oh I, I work with this it's always the reaction of oh aye, that's not bad aye, you must be doing all right and and it's like well aye, but also it's not really about me uh, yeah. and that again that's a personal point of view that it's never been about me it's never it's always about the client and and the clients that we work for say they're about two hundred seventy odd clients. They're our clients, so we work for them. And if they want something, we try and do it for them. And that's that's it at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, you do get that sort of reaction at times from from people, but part and parcel of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and and finally, just all kind of overarching one is: Do you think the trans the it's quite a big question? Do you think the transfer window works as it is with the the, the two the two windows, or do you think it should just be like back to? Long way of just any having point. it. Yeah, any point. I think it does because I think it. I think it regulates it. Okay. I think I think it regulates it and it keeps it under control in a certain sense. Um, I think because it, it then also uh, there's a little bit of equality in it as yep. well in terms of the, your smaller clubs that maybe aren't financially. I think could quite easily be swallowed up by the bigger fish yep. in terms of during the season if a player was doing really really well come October they could just buy their best player yeah, yeah. you know and it, even like not that it maybe necessarily would happen but for, if a club was in a relegation battle 
they could quite easily at any point go and try and buy their best player to destabilise a team. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. that's just a hypothetical. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do think in many ways it regulates it, it keeps it relatively fair. Yep. Um, there, will also, there, there will always be sort of financial disparity between clubs and leagues and countries. Um, but yeah, it regulates it, it keeps it relatively fair. And um, I think, yeah, I, I think it would be. It would be the Wild West, I think, without it, in a way. Nice one. Well, Josh, thank you very much for uh, taking your time to to speak to us. Thank you. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.